Welcome back to the Gifted Performance Podcast, the GPP, giving you all the knowledge and practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. Guys, it's been a long time. We're back for season two. I am still your host. I'd like to think I've always been your host. And moving forward, for the remainder of your life, I hope you always consider me your host. I am the Squat Father. Season two, we are back to our usual antics. We will be answering questions from the community, answering questions from outside of the community, having guests on, and some new twists as well. Going to be reviewing some products that you guys send me. So no products in today's episode, but make sure you send me some silly fitness shit from out in the world. Love to take a look at it. Tell you why it's good, bad, or anywhere in between. And of course, we're going to celebrate, like we haven't done in the past, a new segment celebrating successes from within the gifted community. And that's where we'll start today. So today, we're going to take a look at, we got a couple good pieces here. Got some big lifts. We got some impressive physiques. And we got some of our own appearing on podcasts and spreading the good word. So... Welcome back. Buckle up. It's going to be a fun one. Let's start by looking at some clips. So Jake, the man himself, the man who will be editing this, compiled some clips for me. We're starting off with, it looks like Casey, Christina Aguilera, Ricky Gervais, posting a big PR total. Okay, so only top lifts here. 91 snatch, all-time PR. 110 clean and jerk, not an all-time PR, but together we've got ourselves a total PR at 201. Fun fact, a year ago after this date, a year ago from this date, Casey posted a 191 total in Puerto Rico. So one year later, significantly healthier, lifting on some happy knees and posting massive PRs. 91 snatch. So even on the 91 snatch, it's one, snatches are one of those things where it looks easy until it's not. But even sometimes you'll see a snatch that moves very quickly, gets locked out overhead, and you're like, wow, that was easy. But the positions within the lift are not great. How you arrived overhead wasn't awesome. You kind of just got lucky. That's not the case really here with Casey. She pulls, stays in position, back angle stays good, finishes strong overhead. 110 used to be a weight that scared the ever-living shit out of Casey. Not no more. Easy clean. No real cl crash there. Receives the bar nicely. And the jerk is easy. Her jerks, I mean, we spent a lot of time working overhead, strengthening her overhead position. So to see it come together in a single session, even if it's just a training session, these training sessions are where you build up your confidence for the platform. So realistically, Casey and I have set out a goal of a 205 competition total if she can post a 207 208 in training gives us some nice little leeway there when it comes to being on the competition platform of like oh i'm nervous hit 208 in training this is 205 let's get this bread up next it looks like team desantis got together for a posing session team desantis has been absolutely on fire placings at top shows Placings at national shows, pro cards, 
and overall just being a really solid team and community of individuals who are coming together, doing posing sessions, doing training sessions together, community events. This is a well-developed, well-run team under the gifted umbrella. So if you are interested in bodybuilding, doesn't matter the division, Jeremy seemingly does incredibly well with every single division under the sun recommend looking into team DeSantis. So got together for a posing session here, got some bikini girls, got some men's physique, got a classic physique competitor in there as well. But team DeSantis is not limited to these divisions. Cool edit there uh, by our friend Ryan Barry over at apex media, apex media 23 is the Instagram profile. Make sure you check him out. It looks like, Oh man, I know his name, but I forget his name. So I love you. I forget your name is Instagram, because he just tagged us, Old School Grind. Looks like he's getting ready to compete here very soon. Looking quite sick nasty. The others, not selling you short. You look great, too. Looks like we also had a photo shoot from one of Jeremy's clients, Madeline. Nice photo shoot. This, again, done by our friends at uh, Apex Media, Ryan. Apex Media 23 is the Instagram. Make sure you follow him. If you are in the greater Michigan area, you want to have a high quality gym photo shoot. I'm pretty sure he does photo shoots outside of the gym as well. So if you just want some quality shots, some quality pics from Ryan, definitely hit him up. Reasonable rates, does a great job. Customer service is awesome. We love Ryan. Uh, photo shoot with Madeline. Again, I think that she just competed. Uh, unsure of her exact placement, but I mean, based on the photos from in this photo shoot, she had to have done incredibly well because she looks great. These photo shoots, these gym photo shoots, uh, I feel like I used to have a super boomer attitude on them and be like, I hate them. Leave your camera equipment out of the gym. Stop taking photo shoots in the gym. But I think I've kind of turned the corner. I've rounded the bend on them. And I actually like these now because I think and not just speaking for Madeline here, speaking for everyone who does these photo shoots, I think it's something where it's fun in the moment. We like having fun. Two, it makes you feel good about the progress that you've made. And then you get cool photos to share as well, again, to celebrate your own progress. So I think that this does more harm than good in terms of as long as it's not getting in the way at the gym and beating people's workouts. I think it does more harm, or I think it does more good than harm in terms of reinforcing people to stay in the gym, stay active, keep working towards their goal. So Apex Media 23 is our photographer here. Madeline, our model. Great job, Madeline. Uh, up next, another team within the Gifted Network that is growing quickly and doing these posing sessions, training sessions in person would be Team Plaza. So Team Plaza here, meeting up with clients in the Team Plaza apparel. If you want one of those Bad Bunny-themed Team Plaza shirts, make sure you reach out to Anthony. Anthony is embracing the full dad lifestyle, the full coach dad lifestyle. He's the wrestling coach. And look at the socks here. Are you kidding me? The high mid-shin kind of white Nike socks. Poof. You pull those out at the barbecue, Anthony. People are going to be looking. You're going to be turning heads. But again... Just really fun to see coaches within the gifted network get out from behind the computer screen in person with their clients, reaching out into the community, making an impact. If you are in the greater Tampa area, what is that? Like Pinellas County? I think it's Pinellas County. 
you're in the greater Pinellas County area, you want to get a workout opposing session, or you're just looking for the best coach in the area, Anthony Plaza, Team Plaza, is where you want to be. What else we got here? What else did you put in here for me, Jake? Looks like Nigel. Good old Hans Gruber. Hitting a big squat. From what I've seen from Nigel, this is he's just gonna smoke this. Yeah, that's so from what I've seen from Nigel and Mike, Mike Taylor, of course, uh being our main powerlifting coach, absolute savant behind the true coach screen. Actually, I don't even think he uses true coach. Mike, what do you even use for programming? Nonetheless, a programming mastermind. Nigel falls into the category that we see a lot at Gifted, which is individuals who never run to the end of their rope too fast. So Nigel is someone who isn't getting pushed for short-term progression at the sacrifice of long-term health. So Nigel is someone who has just made steady progress, incremental progress, very similar to Casey, high-level lifter, making incremental progress, staying healthy, playing the long game here. So in terms of Nigel, it it's one of those things where I would really, really, really be shocked if Nigel, working with Mike, isn't one of those lifters whose name you just know when it comes to the powerlifting space. He's slowly kind of ascent. I wouldn't even say slowly. He's ascending those ranks. He's adding up the kilos, building a huge total, staying healthy the whole time. Honestly, I think, I think Nigel's got some serious, serious lifts to show us to finish out this year and going into next year. So Nigel, Mike, kudos to you guys. Really building up some serious lifts there. And last but not least, we had our very own Director of Gifted Wellness on the Fitness Fiasco podcast. Eric, in this episode, or in this clip here that we're going to show, Jake, edit it in, show the clip, do something with the audio. I like it. I think depending on where someone is in that journey, like for me, I see this trajectory of if someone hasn't done anything for like 20 years, then okay, walking is always going to be better than nothing, right? And I think that walking is underrated, oftentimes underutilized. Um, so walking is better than nothing. But from walking, we can progress into a jog. And this could be on a bike also, right? Just kind of speaking uh, generally here. But then uh, a long-term run might be better. Now we're talking about the stimulus. But then a sprint is also going to be good. But then eventually we want to throw in the weights. And then eventually we want to do all of those things where you're walking, in some cases, you're going for a jog, the zone two. In other cases, you're going for this sprint. And sometimes you're going to be lifting as well. So it's almost like where is someone in that journey? But as long as they're moving in the right direction, I think that's that's like the, the best thing. But people forget about the stimulus factor. So Eric is talking here about how to build up fitness successes for individuals who have maybe been sedentary for a long time. And he talks about the progression from walking to jogging to running to mixed modal fitness of incorporating aerobic conditioning with resistance training as well. So really good points here. I would definitely recommend listening to the podcast as a whole. That is the Fitness Fiasco podcast with Eric, shot out of CrossFit Coconut Grove down in South Florida. Just kind of talks about how to set yourself up for long-term fitness success and not doing a term that I like, which is setting up Napoleonic goals, goals to conquer the world too early on in your fitness journey. I think a lot of people, when they first start out, they hear running is good or lifting weights is good or powerlifting is good or bodybuilding is good. And they're coming from a background of 
basically no training whatsoever or long-term decade of sedentary lifestyle, they bite off more than they can chew. They have a bad experience with the journey as a whole. And then they kind of just get burned out and kind of fade back into that sedentary lifestyle. And then they just run this yo-yo of like hyper-motivated because I saw something online, in person, whatever it is. Start this journey. I'm going to do a bodybuilding prep from 10 years of no working out, no physical activity whatsoever. I met a friend who's a bodybuilder. He thinks that I can do a bodybuilding prep. Jump in, burn yourself out, and then you're back down to square one. So Eric's advice here talks more about, okay, you're at square one. What do, What's at square two? If I want to make it to three, four, five, and beyond, how do, I, how do I make that progression? So how do I get to two? What does two look like? And then build to three, four, and five from there. These really, really large goals, they're built on a strong foundation. So this video, this clip here, talks about how to build up that foundation rather than setting yourself up for, success, for failure with too big of goals. So that's our client materials for the week. Jake, thanks for all of those. Those were good. Some housekeeping from around the Gifted Network. Guys, if you want your lifts, your physique, your edits, your whatever featured, make sure that you're posting that on your story and tagging us at gifted underscore HQ. Next piece for today and where we will wrap things up. Obviously, you guys have seen the Reddit answer, the Reddit Q&A segments that we do every Thursday. What you don't see is how many Reddit questions I just simply can't get to. So what we've done is we've pulled together all of the stragglers, and I'm just going to kind of slowly work through those at three to five per episode. So I'm going to work. I haven't looked at these yet, so this is going to be pure candid, no preparation, no canned answers whatsoever. The first one in the folder, Jake, I'm just going to work my way down the folder. All right, I'm going to do three to five, depending on time. I'm just going to work my way down. All right, so the first one here, so I can zoom this in, it's a little small. Uh, when to ink, oh geez, I hate how this stupid thing works. All right, cool. Uh, when to increase, decrease weight based on rep ranges. So pretty common question. I'm, I've been working with 100 pounds. My reps are getting higher and higher. I've read that eight to 12 is the hypertrophy range. When do I wanna increase my weights? So this is an individual who I've recently started a fat type program. So fat being, oh geez, what does fat even stand for? It's like power, hypertrophy, advanced training. I forget. I know Lane Norton had a fat, pro there's a lot of the PHAT programs going around out there. So this is an individual, like I said, eight to 12 rep range earlier today, did shoulder press 12, 12, 11, 11, or 12, 12, 11, eight, could not do nine on the last set. When should I increase my weight? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Four by 12 reps to increase. I typically struggle in the last set due to endurance limitations. One set less than eight reps. You only decrease the weight if no sets fall within the rep range. Also, should I treat this situation differently when performing sets in the three to five rep range? If endurance is my big problem on fourth set exercises, would it be beneficial just to do three sets instead? I've progressed differently throughout my journey. I'm looking to decide on a more consistent way to change weight. So 
This is an issue where individuals are missing the forest for a single tree. This is an individual that thinks that weight on the bar is driving his hypertrophic adaptations. So he thinks that by putting more weight on the bar, as long as I stay within a repetition range, that will drive hypertrophy forward. And if I exceed 12 on all of my sets and I exit that hypertrophy range, I'm no longer going to be building muscle. And quite frankly, this just isn't the way that the muscle views stimulus in a hypertrophy, from a hypertrophy standpoint. So from a muscle building standpoint, the muscle needs to feel a requisite amount of tension, ideally enough tension to stimulate your type two high threshold motor units the ones that make up the larger, more, or the larger muscle fibers with greater hypertrophic potential. How you do that within a fat program, skinny program, progressive overload, heavy weights, light weights, all of these things are methods to satisfy the principle. The principle being that we need to supply enough tension on the muscle by training with enough weight and training with a close proximity to failure to stimulate those high threshold motor units so that they'll grow. How we do that, there's many roads to roam. So in this scenario here, if this individual were to exit, go above 12 repetitions, but they were training with a close proximity to failure, you're still going to grow muscle. If you drop below the rep range of eight, but you're still training with a close proximity to failure, zero to two reps away from failure, you're still going to grow muscle. If you are doing sets of five, six, seven, and you meet those requirements, still going to grow muscle. If you're doing sets of 30 and you meet all those requirements, you're still going to be growing muscle. So for this individual who seems to be limited in those later sets by endurance, if you are limited and you know, you're doing sets of 15 and your sets are going 15, 14, 12, five. So it's really, really a limit of endurance. I would say increase the loads so that your sets can all be clustered together a little bit more. It seems like that's what you're looking for here, but I don't want you to think that when I get to point from point A to point B, I must increase weight by X amount of weight the requirements to build muscle just aren't that they don't exist in that sense. So can you increase weight? Yep. Can you do more reps? Yep. Train with a close proximity to failure. Make sure the load is sufficient to do so. Give yourself long enough rest times between sets so that you can continue that same level of relative effort from your first set into your second, third, and sometimes even fourth set. So don't get bogged down in the details too much. Increase some weight if you are limited by endurance. But if those sets go higher, you're still going to be growing muscle just fine. Question number two in the folder here, Jake, is from, what does that say? What is this person's name? Duck Sleazy. Wow. I like that. Duck Sleazy. All right. Duck Sleazy has a question about protein. So Duck Sleazy says, is around 100 grams of protein enough to start a cut? Can't afford whey or high protein food slash meat, barely have any muscle, and I am skinny fat. If at least I get rid of this belly, I'd be happy. 
excluding the budgetary concerns, excluding the last piece that reeks of body dysmorphia, possibly some some psychological issues to deal with there. Duck sleazy, unless we know what you weigh, we can't tell you if 100 grams of protein is enough to start a cut. If Duck sleazy, if the person behind the keyboard over on Reddit at Duck sleazy is a 110 pound individual, male or female, doesn't really matter, then 100 grams of protein is enough. Plenty. Good enough. 0.8 grams. 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight for an individual in a fat loss phase? Good. We like that. We can get away with that. That's plenty. Especially if it's high quality protein. It's animal-based protein. We like that. Now, if this is an individual who's 200 pounds, even something like 160, 170, 100 grams of protein during a cut isn't the worst thing in the world. It's not horrible. But you are going to be risking lean body mass loss. You've already said, I barely have any muscle and I'm skinny fat. So losing muscle mass or losing lean body mass on the way down in a cut because you were only eating 100 grams of protein and you weigh 200 pounds, that is not going to be in your best interest. I would recommend scouring the internet and finding the cheapest sources of protein that you can. Some of these may be lower quality plant-based proteins, but simply bolstering your number is going to help you in the long run. Head on over to Walmart, get yourself a 10-pound bag of chicken leg quarters for $4, get some pasta, just a big old bag of the cheapest pasta you can, pasta has some decent protein in it, and cook that up and let that be all of your meals. If you do weigh, I won't say what this individual weighs, just take your weight times 0.8, so 0.8 grams per pound of body weight, let that be the lower threshold for where you want to go with your protein intake during a fat loss phase. You can get away with less if you are massing, if you're in a calorie surplus, but if you're in a fat loss phase, you want to try and err on the cautious side for protein intake. And what that means is it's going to be a little bit higher. All right, duck sleazy. Good luck. Question number three. Uh, it's another protein intake question. Kane Foster Charles. So I'm eating 120 plus grams of proteins. I like that. I like the plural. A day in working out. I'm a lot relying a lot on ready protein drinks, bottles of milk, added whey, protein bars, etc. Should I worry be worried about protein quality? Should I make myself my should I make myself my own protein shake? Am I hindering my gains? Okay. Uh, should I be worried about protein quality? No. Because most of your protein bars, protein shakes, and dairy-based ready-to-drink products that are high in protein are high-quality protein. Remember, dairy-based protein is a complete protein and a high-quality protein. It's one of the highest-quality proteins that you can actually get. So I really wouldn't worry about the quality of the protein. really wouldn't worry about hindering your gains, especially if 120 grams of protein is enough for you, meeting that 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight that we talked about in the previous question. So again, protein quality, I wouldn't worry about it. 
hindering your gains as long as you're getting enough protein for your body weight. Again, I wouldn't worry about that. Should I make myself my own protein shake? So I'm assuming this means like getting whey and mixing it in and shaking it up. Shaking it up. That was questionable. And shaking up, uh, shaking up your protein shake. I mean, you can. You, it's not going to be any different though. So look at the back of the label of these ready-to-drink protein shakes, and they are basically water, whey protein concentrate, bunch of added stuff to keep it shelf stable, and then there's going to be some micronutrients in there as well. So again, if you want to save some money, you can mix up your own protein shake. But again, it's not like it's not gonna. Protein is the protein here. Kane Foster Charles. What I would be worried about in this scenario is, number one, how does your stomach feel? Number two, how, what are your, like, what, what is your digestion? What do your bowel movements look like? From what I've seen with my clients in the past is individuals who rely very heavily on protein bars, protein shakes, ready-to-drink, dairy-based, high-protein products is that the overall volume of pure dairy that you get leads to some strange things when it comes to bowel movements and such. So if this individual, KFC, we'll call him, good old Kane, if you're not having any digestive issues, I wouldn't worry too much about this. But long term, it's probably a good idea to build in some habits where you are eating some whole food protein sources instead of just relying on shakes and bars. It's a lot of added stuff, artificial sweeteners, strange sugar alcohols. The sugar alcohols are probably a bigger concern that can have a laxative effect in these other products. So I would just be careful of that. Um, make sure you're tracking the sugar alcohol intake over time so that you're not overdoing that and crapping your pants at the gym. Not ideal. That will hinder your gains. Pooping your pants at the gym, that'll hinder your gains. Question number four here. This will be our last one of the day. This is just going to be the protein episode, I guess. Uh, Daniel, EK underscore. Protein question. I understand. So the body can only absorb like 30 grams of protein at 30 grams or something of protein at once. So what if I have a meal with 100 grams? What happens to the other 70 grams? Does it get excreted or saved for later or what? Daniel, you do understand somewhat, somewhat. So the idea that the body can only absorb 30 grams of protein just isn't, it just isn't true. The body can absorb as much protein in the form of amino acids as it wants. So protein goes into my face hole, into my gullet, down into my stomach. It goes from protein to peptides to individual amino acids. Those amino acids then get absorbed through the lining of the small intestine into the bloodstream and they enter what is called the free amino acid pool that exists in your body. So we have all these amino acids floating around. And the muscles say, I need that one and that one and that one and that one and I need it in this quantity. They grab those, they use them for whatever is needed. Some of the other amino acids can be converted into glucose because the body says, hey, whoa, we're also a little bit low on glucose and you just pounded 100 grams of protein worth of beef jerky with no carbs in it. We need some carbs. So they take some of those amino acids, repackage those, convert those into glucose, 
and that glucose enters the bloodstream where it can be utilized for ATP, for energy, or it can be stored for later for, for as glycogen. Once those extra amino acids are converted to glucose, if we have a surplus of glucose, we can take that glucose, repackage it as triglyceride, and store it in adipose tissue for later use. So the uses for protein in the body are quite large. Your body isn't going to say, okay, 30 grams of protein from this big bag of beef jerky. I like that. I take that. I utilize it. The other 70 grams, we're just going to poop it out or pee it out. Some of those extra amino acids are excreted when the body doesn't need them, but the body is very intelligent and very complicated, very complex in how it repackages these things. So if you ingest 100 grams of protein, the amino acids from that are mostly going to be used in the body, used, repackaged, reformatted, stored somewhat for later use. And then the extra can be excreted. So, Daniel, the second part of this leads me to believe that you do know, you, you do understand excreted, saved for later or what. Those are two possible avenues where extra protein or extra amino acid can go. The myth here, though, is that 30 grams of protein is the absolute maximum that the body can absorb at any given time. The body's great at absorbing nutrients. It'll digest. It'll absorb those. What it uses them for is largely going to be dictated by the needs of the body. Individuals who are larger, with larger amounts of muscle mass, can obviously benefit from greater amounts of protein intake at every meal or at their meals over the course of a 24-hour period over the day, where smaller individuals may be closer to that 20 or 30 gram number. Larger individuals, 30, 40, up to 50 grams, what they can absorb and utilize in the moment when it comes to protein intake. All right, Daniel, that's your question, signed, sealed, and delivered. Now, that's gonna wrap us up for questions today and gifted community highlights. Some other notes that I wanted to throw in here, uh, Jake can kind of throw links around here for you guys to click on as needed. Our newest apparel release has been launched, is available for pre-order until the end of this week, that is Friday, October something, 21st, 20th, one of those two. If you do want that apparel set at the cheapest possible price, make sure you take advantage of that $100 three item pre-order. When pre-order is over, obviously those prices go up. We do still have six spots available for the Gifted Wellness Disconnect of 2024, April 3rd through the 14th. We are headed as a team to Hako, Costa Rica for a week of fun, relaxing, and disconnecting from our daily lives so we can enjoy time with the gifted community doing what we enjoy, which is training, eating, hanging out, having fun, memeing around the great country of Costa Rica. If you're interested in that, we've got payment plans and also paid in full options for both individuals and couples. Those last six spots are probably going to go well before the new year. So if it is something that you're interested in, make sure you look into that and reserve your spot today. As always, our coaches are taking on new clients. So if you're watching this from outside of the Gifted Network, what up? Welcome to GPP Season 2, Episode 1. I hope it was as great as you hoped it would, as you thought it would be. But if you are looking for coaching, 
uh, for templates or automated programming. We have all of that. Jake can post the links here. Application, Gifted Express, templates, nutrition coaching, affiliate nutrition program, all of that good stuff. Last but not least is going to be our CISSN beta test. So if you are someone looking to advance your education in the field of sports nutrition and you want to get a certification through the top of the line nutrition certification available for sports nutritionists or just general nutritionists as a whole, it definitely covers all of your bases there. You can utilize our beta test for the CISSN, which is the International Society of Sports Nutrition's Sports Nutritionist Certification. We've got our beta test. Click the link here. You can read more about it. Discounted rates, self-led, go at your own pace, 100% pass rate so far. All that DJ Khaled, we the best stuff. That wraps us up, though, for episode one. So again, it is our goal to start bringing on guests again as the season rolls along. But for now, it's going to be highlights of you, the community, me debunking some silly shit, and of course, answering our straggler Reddit questions. That wraps up episode number one. We'll see you on the next one. In the meantime, and in between times, and as always, stay gifted.